make videos there, we've got two steps. First, I need to get the ticket. One or more listeners have united miles that they're willing to donate to the cause. If you're willing to give those miles to me, please email me at videos. We'll put that email in the description and we'll have it up on the screen as well. If I can get those miles, that will allow me to get the ticket. So if we get the miles in time to get a ticket arranged, then I will open a Give, Send, Go campaign to fund uh, the expenses of the trip. I will need um, a second GoPro camera clone. So the Give, Send, Go will pay for any camera equipment, any microphone equipment, and hotel expenses or hostel expenses that I need. Also, if you happen to be a listener to the podcast in Edinburgh who's willing to put me up on a couch or on a bed, uh, I will take that in return. We'll make that sponsorship worthwhile. Pray and see if this is something that interests you. Uh, I will mention it one more time in a couple of weeks, and then if no one feels led to give, we'll not talk about it again. Now, on with the show. Fine. Let's find those treasures together. I am David Rankin, and this is the Old Mill Shop. Greetings, fellow shoppers. Welcome to the Old Mill Shop. As an incentive to join our membership program at coffee.com, ko-fi.com slash the Old Mill Shop, we are giving away access to one of our uh, membership incentives, the monthly playlist. On the screen right now, you'll see a, a 2D barcode for uh, for the Apple Music playlist, and then uh, that'll go away. And this is a 2D barcode for the YouTube playlist for the month. These will be updated until the end of this month when we'll start a new one. Next month, it will be an incentive for any person who registers for a monthly membership at any level. Thank you for your support. Next segment is Fresh Off the Truck. We haven't had a Fresh Off the Truck segment for a while, so I decided that uh, the new year was a good time for one. Over the last few months, a new uh, music project called Booster Patrol has uh, caught my attention. They have dedicated themselves to restoring the guitar solo as part of the musical art form in rock music. The members of Booster Patrol are tired of the rap solo instead of the guitar solo. They are tired of the lack of guitar solos and guitar music in recent pop music and have dedicated themselves to do something about it. The primary people behind Booster Patrol is the Supreme Dark Lord himself, Fox Day, uh, Theodore Beale, and John Bradley, creator of the ancient Unix uh, picture editor XV. Basically, you've got a couple of computer geeks who play uh, guitar and have done other things to make some money as well making some more music. As my late wife would say, they're just a bunch of geeks with guitars, but they are a brave group of geeks though, because they've covered some of the best songs of the last 30 years. I'll leave a link in the description to where to go to find all of their music, but I've picked two songs that I really like and linked the YouTube videos. They're heavier guitar rock songs than I would normally play. I'm not as much heavy rock kind of guy or a guitar rock kind of guy, but uh, Variety is the spice of life, and these are very good songs for the genre. 
The first is a cover of Republica's Ready to Go. Uh, it's a catchy tune. It actually, of all things, reminds me of some of the songs that the Blue Man Group covered on uh, their second album. Ready to Go is just a catchy tune that I've fallen in love with. It's going in my favorites list and we'll end up covering it uh, on a music minute. The second is their rendition of God's Gonna Cut You Down. Takes a brave soul to cover a Johnny Cash song. Uh, Vox Day is not a good enough singer to take the song away from Johnny. But the number one goal that Booster Patrol had was not to make a better song than Johnny's version, but to make a better video than Rick Rubin's version of Johnny's song. God's Gonna Cut You Down is a very strong gospel song, but Rick Rubin's video of the song includes a lot of people who are not Christian. The Booster Patrol song is a good quality song, but the video has extremely good Christian imagery and is an incredibly strong package. It's a very, very good video. One of the best new videos I saw coming out of 2022. So links are in the description. Go take a listen to Booster Patrol. Today's two for one special. Solitary Man by Johnny Cash. Before we cover the two-for-one special, let's go over the music minutes for the week. So Monday, it was Happy New Year by Lightning Hopkins in the uh, Vintage Corner. Tuesday, it was I Don't Look Good Naked Anymore by the Snake Oil Willie Band. Wednesday, I Couldn't Keep From Crying by Johnny Cash. Thursday, White Flag by Dido. And Friday, If It Wasn't For You Wellies by Billy Conley. On the two-for-one special today, we're going to talk about uh, Johnny Cash's release of Solitary Man. Once again, Johnny's trying to take someone else's song, in this case, a Neil Diamond song. It's not originally a country song, but it's still a Tear in My Beer song, talking about the women in his life and how they've messed the singer over. Until he finds a loyal woman, the singer is going to stay a solitary man instead. Personally, I'm working to be happy as a solitary man as long as the Lord has decided to keep me that way. I've been going through the dating process about a year now, and things I thought I'd left in my teenage years have kind of come back in spades. One lady told me that she thought it'd be okay if we didn't have another date for the next two months. I kind of figured that if you didn't care about seeing someone in the next two months, you probably wouldn't care if you never saw again in your life. One of the second things I've seen, they'll uh, have a profile message that says, if you don't talk, I won't message you. Don't message me unless you're willing to talk. But then that person will send me a message with three words in a sentence. Dating is not a seventh grade science class. You do not improve your chances of being right by saying as little as possible. It certainly tempts me to staying towards being a solitary man. <laughs> understand how music is sold and distributed now, we need to go back and can see how recording industry started. Before the era of sound recordings, music was di- distributed between with the printing and selling of sheet music. It was common for popular songs would be distributed through retail stores, selling copies of the sheet music so that people could play it and sing to the song at home. There were live performances, but of course no way to share that music 
other than you being right there to listen to the music. Uh, this is even reflected still in how songs are licensed and how they're paid for on the radio and in recordings. The person who wrote the music gets their own share of sheet music recordings because sheet music was the original sale item. If someone performed your sheet music, you got a royalty. In the, the mid to late 1800s, there were multiple effort come up with a way of recording sound that could be played back. Edison's famous uh, cylinder recorder and Alexander Graham Bale and others gramophone improvement upon that wax cylinder player were the most successful pre-disc recording format. But the cylinders had weaknesses that kept them to being basically a novelty item. They were hard to manufacture. The earlier wax cylinders usually could only manage about four or five planes before they were worn flat. Edison sold commercial cylinders where they explicitly sold a tool so that you could blank the cylinder after it worn out and re-record on it. By 1910, the format was already on its way out compared to the early disc recordings and uh, was basically dead by the 1920s. So as early as 1910, the recording industry realized that disc technology was the way that they were going to go forward uh, using flat spinning discs with delac or other materials. Vinyl is actually a very late material. The disc format was very useful for mass manufacture because the recording could be easily uh, reversed into a reverse master that could then stamp discs very quickly and in high numbers so that thousands or tens of thousands of discs could be made from a single master versus the less than 200 for cylinders. The speed of the disc spinning was eventually consolidated at 78 rpm revolutions per minute which allowed about three minutes of music on a 10 inch that allowed one long song on both sides or one song on each side at about three minutes the originally songs were sold essentially as singles uh, and as an individual uh, item either with one or two songs on it the concept of the album was created in germany when multiple records were put together in a book like picture albums were put together so the term for multiple songs in a collection ended up being an album the limitations of a 78 RPM disc were obvious fairly early. So Columbia Records started working on a denser disc. In 1931, they came up with a long play format disc that played at 33.3 RPM, 33 and a third, with a uh, 30 centimeter, about 10 inch disc. That at the time, gave you about 10 minutes per music this side. Because of the Great Depression and because of then World War II limitations, the 33 and a third RPM disc was originally a failure because no one could afford the higher end record players needed to play it. However, by the end of the war, technology had advanced enough and new record players were out that could play slower records would allow uh, Columbia to come up with slightly new 
33 and a third RPM format that uh, was called the long play, the LP record. Uh, RCA Victor decided they didn't want to pay Columbia to license their 33 RPM technology, so they created a smaller 70-inch disc that ran at 45 RPM designed primarily to hold singles. You could have a 10-inch 45 that held two songs aside, and they called that the extended play uh, album. There weren't a whole lot of extended play 45s created in the scheme of things, but we will hear the EP term in the future as well. The technologies available to the various record companies dictated in some extent how the music industry moved forward in the 1950s. Blues recordings were often still on 78, were just creeping into 45s. There are a few 45 pressings of famous blues artists from the 50s, but the blues uh, record company were still uh, lagging on 78 records, so they stayed focused on singles rather than albums. The first generation of rock stars, the rockabilly, it's like Sun Records, the early rockabilly singers were putting out singles that went on 45 to uh, radio stations, and out to jukeboxes for jukebox play. So the rock stars stayed focused on singles, as did, to lesser extent, country singers. Pop music like Frank Sinatra and jazz started moving with Columbia Records into the 33 RPM world and going into albums. So you saw singers like Frank Sinatra creating unified album themes where all the songs on an album had one theme rather than what was happening for the rock singers which was go get yourself two or three singles and there'll be enough record sales that then we'll throw together an album the eight songs we can get you to record even when rock and roll entered the album generation with the Beatles and with the British Invasion. The technology of the single remained heavily influential because singles were still distributed radio station on 45s and the jukebox is still only played 45s. Singles needed to be five minutes or shorter. Most stations wanted them to be four minutes or shorter. This could result in there being both an album cut and a shorter single cut that was released on 45. Also, the uh, 45 could be censored for content that would not be allowed on the radio but could be sold. Even the terms LP and EP have mostly outlived their designation as platter sizes. The industry used to use LP to designate a collection of four to six songs no more than 40 minutes long. But this has pretty much expired. Occasionally you'll hear someone talk about an LP as a um, synonym for a long album. Essentially an LP is something that's not an EP. The EP used to be two to four songs uh, no more than 22 minutes long. But now it basically refers to two to six different songs that are released as a collection as a small album. If you have a collection of multiple versions of the same song, 
that's a maxi single or a super single. And that again is derived from some more obscure vinyl terms around um, 10 inch 45s. Just as the record seemed to become unbeatable, out came three disruptive technologies that took away their control of the music distribution business. We'll talk about those technologies next week. But it's important to note that vinyl discs are not completely gone, even today. The technology isn't sitting still. There are, instead of um, physical needles that dig into the record to uh, play the album, uh, high-end turntables have a laser that measures the groove but does not burn it and therefore does not wear on the vinyl record. They are also coming up with new technologies to laser cut vinyl discs so that uh, the discs are even more accurate uh, and more easily played than the current technology um, allows. So at this point, the technology, whilst very much a niche to CDs and especially to digital distribution, the technology has not given up the ghost yet. And on that note, we've managed to finish another week's show. Until ne next week, keep looking for music that's new for you. Happy shop. Please come back for the next episode of The Old Mill Shop. Thanks to Apple for use of the Samantha voice. Thanks to Zapsplat at www.zapsplat.com for theme song and incidental music. Copyright David W. Rankin Jr. DBA The Old Mill Shop Music Experience.